That's a hockey, you know, it's only, it's only game. Young men expressing themselves for joy. Why do you have to be mad? These guys are jerks. It's only game. It's a cheap, dirty game. It's only game. Why do you have to be mad? Hello, ho, ho, and welcome to episode 7 of the Kakupful Stat Attack podcast. I'm your host, Mark Callanan. On this week's show, we'll be taking a look at game week 11, and we'll be checking in on the two unbeaten teams from last week to see if either of them could maintain their perfect record. This week's interview is with Stephen Warback, also known as Randy Marsh in the Facebook group. Stephen spoke to me about his love for the Calgary Flames, his draft preparation, his preference for mobile over desktop, and why he believes that patience is a virtue when it comes to fantasy sports. On this week's deep dive, I'll be taking a look at the impact that negative points for penalty minutes would have on the Cupful, which players would suffer the most and which players would gain the most. And I'll also have all the usual features like Team of the Week, Top 5 Overall, Performer of the Week, Matchup of the Week and Hot or Not. But let's get straight to this week's interview. On Saturday, I spoke with Stephen Warback, a.k.a. Randy Marsh, General Manager of Ghetto Avenue Boys in Frolunda, in Tier 3 of the Cupful. Stephen has been making impressive, steady progress throughout the season in Frolunda, moving up from 11th position in Week 1 to number 1 last week. In the overall point standings, Stephen is currently ranked 4th, just 46 points behind our leader, Tom Crowhurst. Having made just 11 moves this season, Stephen explained why he feels it's important to have patience with your side. Here's what he had to say. This week's guest on the Kukupful Stat Attack podcast, you may know him as Randy Marsh from the Facebook groups. You can introduce yourself, I suppose, with your real name if you like. Hey, Marcus. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Stephen Warbeck. I use Randy kind of just as a, a Facebook name. I just got Facebook for uh, for the group only. So, Oh, that's so dedication. That's, uh, yeah. Where are you based? Uh, I'm in Watrous, Saskatchewan, Canada, a little small town of about 1800 people, middle of nowhere. Okay. And what team do you follow then? Do you, are you, uh, are you a local fan or have you got an NHL team? Yeah, I do have an NHL team. I've been a Calgary Flames fan my whole life. My dad, actually, he was an Islanders fan back in the day. And then in 89, late eighties there, when they uh, went on the cup run, he uh, hopped on the bandwagon, and and the rest is history. Great. So you've been a Flames fan for all your life. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the '90s, there and 2000s, before uh, 04, kind of hopped around a little bit, but uh, always been a Flames fan at heart. Do you have a favorite all-time Flames player? I do. Yeah. Uh, two actually. Uh, Kippersoff. I'm a goalie guy, so I love Kippersoff. And, uh, you know, he was the best in the league during his prime. And then also uh, Theron Fleury. Uh, Fleury is actually um, familiar to me here because after he left North America, he came and played in Ireland. He played for the Belfast Giants uh, two hours up the road from me here. Oh, yeah. Cool. That's great. I think his first ever game for the Belfast Giants, he had two goals, three assists and a fight. Holy smokes. (laughs) (laughs) Immediate legend status achieved. The next question I have for you, I'm actually just going to call you Randy. It's just easier because I feel like I'm going to keep screwing it up otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The next question I have for you is, uh, do you have an interesting fact about yourself? Kind of, yeah. You know, I I got to go all the way way back to uh, when I was a toddler. When I was first born, we lived on a farm for about two years. And my brother, he's a year and a half younger than me. 
So when he was first born, uh, my mom was pretty occupied with him, of course. My grandparents lived about a half a mile away from where our farm was. And when my mom was busy with my brother, I apparently walked the half mile by myself <laughs> to my grandparents' farm. And they had a, an exterior cellar door that goes into the basement. Oh. And I somehow managed to crawl into there and went downstairs. And I was playing down at the basement for a while. And all of a sudden, my grandma, who was making lunch for my grandpa and uncle, who were out farming that day, uh, she could hear little baby me playing playing around in the basement. And uh, <laughs> and that's how I was found. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite young to go missing. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was a bit of a free spirit. <laughs> yeah, in rural Canada. Yeah, yeah. Christ Luckily, stuff. it was a quiet road, though, and not much traffic. I can imagine. Could you tell me a bit about your your interest in fantasy hockey, or maybe your pedigree? How long have you been playing? Maybe the number of fantasy leagues you're in at the moment? Uh, yeah, I actually got into it four years ago. Uh, one of my best friends started a league, and uh, just with a bunch of people that we know, and uh, joined in that one. That's my uh, main league. I'm in three right now, including the Cupful. So the main one, been in for the full four years. It's points only, goals, assists, and wins. So it's pretty basic. Is that a keeper league? Yeah, yeah. It's a keep four, and then we redraft the rest uh, based on standings every year. And who are your keepers in that league? My keepers, I've got Kucherov, Line, Hedman, and Freddie Anderson. I traded for Kucherov my first year, and he's been a staple since. Yeah, he's repaid you. Yeah. So yeah, and then been in the Cupful for two years. This is my second year. Uh, I kind of snuck into the playoffs last year. It was pretty intense. Got my heart going. Uh, <laughs> there was there was me and two other teams. Uh, we were tied in standings, and only one of us was going to make the playoffs. And I needed to win, and both of them needed to lose. And of course, that happened to get me into the playoffs. And then the first round, I believe I was up against the highest scoring team in our okay. division. And I streamed in Silverberg for that week. From and, Anaheim, uh, yeah. Yeah, the last game on Sunday, Anaheim with their late games. Yeah. So I think Silverberg ended up getting a goal or assist, and that's what won <laughs> me the week. So it's crazy. Wow. The next question I have for you there, Randy, is um, do you use uh, desktop or mobile primarily? Uh, I usually use mobile. I do a bit of desktop when I'm uh, doing my draft prep, but throughout the, throughout the season, I just use mobile. Okay, great. The next question then is your team name, Ghetto Avenue Boys. Is that a South Park reference? I'm not too familiar. Yes, it is. Yeah. Another South Park reference. It's uh, from season four. There's an episode where the boys uh, start a boy band. <laughs> And Randy Marsh, the dad, he kind of has some flashbacks and tells a story about when he was younger, how he started a boy band with some friends. And that boy band was the Ghetto Avenue Boys. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, <laughs> how have you found the Cuckoopful so far this season? You're, you are first in your division. Uh, overall, you're fourth in total points in the Cuckoopful and you are 8-2-0. and oh. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, better than I expected. You know, I lost the first week and thought, oh boy, here we go. But uh, it's been pretty 
pretty steadily rising ever since. Yeah, so you lost, as you said, in week one. You lost again in week eight. Every other week has been a win. And you never, you've never, you never won by less than 10 points. So you've never really won a close call. You've been fairly comfortable in all your victories. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, this week is probably the closest week that I've had so far. I think we're within four points right now. But uh, other than that, I've been winning pretty handedly. Yeah, so we're recording this on Saturday. The podcast will go out on Monday. And as we speak, you are you know, just under four points behind. Um, I haven't looked at the projections. I think you're projected to win, but I'm not sure if lineups have been set there. So that could go either way. Yeah, as of right now, I think my lineups are set. I'm not sure about his for the rest of the week. If it's any consolation for you, the team who are tied for first place with you are 70 points behind. So you're more than likely going to at least stay top. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm not too worried. I mean, going to lose some weeks. So can I take you back to the draft um, back in the end of September? So you uh, were fifth pick in the first round. You went with yeah. Patrick Kane. I did. Uh, yeah. Did you have your eye on him? For the most part, uh, I kind of just, I don't want to say I wing it. You know, I, I uh, plan to take wingers first and then defensemen is kind of how I do it. And uh, and he was there at five, so that's yeah. uh, that's who I went with. So you went uh, wingers with your first two picks with Kane and Panarin. And then you went uh, D-men with Carlson Giordano, picked up Hurtle and Pedersen, so two centers. Hurtle obviously has uh, left wing and center eligibility. Uh, then yeah. back to D-men, Shea Weber, and back to wingers with uh, Evgeny Dadanov. You didn't draft a goalie until, if I'm right, the 14th round? Yeah, yeah, I took Riddick at 14 there. And you took Cam Talbot as well, so you went with the uh, the Calgary duo. Yeah, uh, Talbot didn't last too long after that. I kept him for a couple of weeks there, and then uh, once Riddick was established as the the starter, I got rid of Talbot pretty quick. Was this a conscious strategy of yours? Um, are you part of the hashtag goalies are voodoo team or how does that work? Uh, definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't like goalies at all. Uh, my one other league there with Freddie Anderson as my keeper, it dreads me to keep him every year, but I try and trade him and it just doesn't work out. So he's too good to drop. <laughs> okay, so so you've been sticking with Riddich all season pretty much as your sole yeah. lon- lonely goalie. Yeah, yeah. This year he's uh, been my only goalie. Uh, I thought about the no goalies, but uh, I'm not active enough to uh, make sure my lineups are set properly every week. Yeah, I set them every week, but you know, to have all skaters, that would leave probably too many guys on the bench for me. So I like having one goalie, and then it's a, a bit easier to manage. Yeah, and if I can go back to the draft, can you tell me, do you put much prep into the draft, or is it more kind of, do you judge it by feel, or do you do many mock drafts, that kind of thing? Uh, I don't do any mock drafts, but I do put together spreadsheets for each league. I kind of take points, the fantasy points, over the last three years and average them out. And uh, I kind of go by that as a guide and then just kind of use my gut feeling after that. Great. In the uh, division that you're in, Frolunda, there haven't been, or you haven't made any trades at this stage. Have there been any approaches made or are you not really kind of a trading person? Uh, there's been a couple talks. Yeah, but yeah, I haven't made any any moves yet. I don't know. I'm pretty happy at the moment, so I'm not sure I'll go out searching right now anyway. But uh, I find it's a little bit difficult to make trades in the, in the couple. Everybody's pretty on the ball. 
Everybody's clued in. Yeah, hard to really uh, sneak one past somebody. Yeah, I think for me personally, anyway, I think it's uh, the only time that it's worth making a trade for me in the cupful is when it mutually benefits both sides. Um, so yeah. there might be, uh, they might have a gap in their lineup that you can help them fill, and vice versa. And if if you don't feel like you're being robbed, then go for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It uh, it does make it a little tougher that there's no draft picks or anything to uh, yeah to swing that. But uh, yeah, that's part of the one year deal. Uh, yeah. If, if I can take a look, you haven't been too active on the waiver wire. You haven't made too many moves. Just eleven so far this season. So just over one mm. a week. Um, one or two of the moves that you did make stuck out to me. Uh, Anthony Duclair was brought in just over a month ago for three dollars. Uh, yeah. Brock Nelson was brought in two days later for zero dollars. They're both stuck in your lineup, and I'd imagine they're going nowhere soon. Yeah, you know they're. Uh... They're sticking around, at least for for the time being. They've been really great. Uh, uh, I I don't usually make too many moves during the season unless things aren't going too well and guys are not performing. So with the way things have gone this season, it's just uh, just doesn't make sense to to move too many guys out. Yeah. Of the 18 players that you drafted, you have dropped six. Um, are any of them particularly disappointing to you? I know a lot of people have been disappointed this season with Shane Gostisbehere. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely a disappointment. Uh, I took him in round nine there. You know, I, I usually try and stay pretty level when when drafting and not take too many big chances, but uh, he was a chance I took and it definitely did not pay off. <laughs> you know, uh, um, there's a couple guys that went after him who would have been much better. Quinn Hughes actually went, I think, later that round or the next round after. So Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Then I guess, you know, I took Jake Gardner in round 15, so not a huge swing, but uh, he def- definitely didn't stick around. And then uh, Talbot, of course, and Kovalchuk was another one who didn't pan out. <laughs> yeah, your, your final pick is one that definitely did pan out and continues to pan out with a hat-trick in the last week, uh, David Perron. Yeah, yeah, he's been uh, he's been a stud. I remember that pick sitting there, and I had a couple guys in my queue that I was watching. And uh, when he was there at, for my last pick, I I had to take him. If I could just ask you about one player who you dropped, maybe uh, Gustav Nyquist. You dropped him quite early on in the season. Have you any regrets there, or are you happy enough with that decision? Uh no, he he probably could have stuck around, but uh, definitely. Definitely don't regret it. It's uh, at the time he was pretty quiet and felt all, I needed to make a move. So, yeah, that's all part of the game, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and like you mentioned, I picked up a couple guys since then who have uh, really outperformed their streamer spot and who are sticking around. So it all yeah. evens out. Yeah, exactly. You haven't had too many injury woes, I don't think. Looking at your your roster now, I don't think too many of them have missed a great chunk of time. No, I think uh, Hurdle would have been the biggest one yeah. who missed a few games there, but uh, he's back and it looks like he's starting to pick things up again. Yeah, I have him in a couple of leagues and I'm I'm happy he's back and back performing. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me what a typical cuckupful week looks like for you? So are you busy midweek or are you busy kind of towards the end of the week, start of the week type thing? Uh, generally the start of the week, Sunday, I kind of have a look at things and then Monday again. 
And and like I said before, I don't usually make too many moves, but if I do, I'll usually make a move Monday and then and then I'll keep an eye on the waivers throughout the week and kind of watch who's been added, who's been dropped and yeah. but other than that, you know, I'll set my lineup at the beginning of the week and and poke in every once in a while and see how things are going. Do you look any further ahead than just the week ahead or do you ever go I know Colin I spoke to last week said he plans 3 weeks ahead. I know some people who look at the playoff matchups at this stage of the season. Have you looked any further ahead than this week? No, no. I I go week by week. Um, I do keep an eye on uh, teams that have play the most off days and and whatnot, and listen to the stream scheme and and your podcast, of course, and keeping Carlson. So keep an eye on those and uh, yeah, keeping up to date. Flat. Yeah. Um, if you could give one piece of advice to a couple player in their first season of fantasy hockey, what would it be? Uh, basically, just not to be too biased towards players you like or dislike. It can really uh, swing your opinion on somebody who it shouldn't. Um, you know, stay level-headed when making decisions and uh, not make any panic moves, you know. If a guy's mm-hmm. slow, you know, just... Take it easy, ride it out. If a guy's hot, you know, don't drop somebody you might regret to pick up somebody who's hot for a game or two, you know. So patience so, is a virtue. It is, yeah. And I guess sometimes it can uh, can bite you too, but I think in the long run you stay level, unbiased, you know. Great stuff. My final question then is for your all-time favorite fantasy hockey player. There's a question I've asked everybody so far. Um, do you have somebody in mind? Yeah, Kucherov has definitely uh, been one of my favorites. I've had him for four years there, like I mentioned, and he's been great for me. And then also uh, one other would be Jack Eichel. I also picked him up my first year in that other league. He was injured for a good month at the beginning of the season, and the guy didn't want to uh, hold on to him. We didn't have any IR spots at the time. I think we brought IR spots in not that year, but the next year. So he ended up dropping Eichel. And I picked him up right away and held on to him until he was healthy. And, and he was <laughs> and good the rest for me. Is history. So he's another one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I actually um, was involved in a trade in the couple last week where I picked up uh, Sam Reinhardt for Jacob Silverberg. I obviously was swayed there, I think, by Reinhardt being on the same line as Jack Eichel and, you know, picking up points off his talent. Yeah. Yeah, he seems to be able to carry a team almost by himself. So Yeah, he's, he's been driving the Sabres for a couple of years now. Yeah, he has. Yeah. Okay, thanks a million for your time this morning, this evening here. We really appreciate you coming on and chatting about your fantasy hockey strategy and your favourite players and so on. And all the best for the rest of the season and for your matchup this week particularly, which is looking very tight. We might chat to you again soon. Yeah, thanks Marcus. I had a good time and uh, look forward to doing it again. Merry Cheers. Christmas everyone. And you. So there you have it, the man behind the mask, Stephen Warback, a.k.a. Randy Marsh. Stephen clearly loves his South Park, but he also loves his fantasy hockey, and his knowledge of the game has really paid off this year. Stephen did go on to win last week, moving his record to 9-2-0, fourth overall in the point standings, with just one defeat in his last 10 matchups. And that leads me nicely into last week's top five overall, and at number five for the second week in a row is Ben Burnett, with Tuca and Bertie on 2,922 points. 
Number four then is Stephen, aka Randy Marsh, Ghetto Avenue Boys in Frolunda, 20 points ahead of Ben. At number three is previous guest Colin Plomp with Dude Wears My Car in Sodertalgia, 7 points ahead of Randy Marsh. He's down from last week's second place. And up from third place to this week's second place is Microsoft Excel in Anton, who are 26 points ahead of Colin Plomp. And at number one for the 10th week in a row, an incredible achievement, it's Tom Crowhurst once again with epic kneel time in Binghamton. And although that gap continues to shrink, it is truly an incredible achievement to be number one of the entire cupful in points for for 10 consecutive weeks. So massive kudos to Tom Crowhurst there. Tom currently sits at a record of 9-2-0, first place in Binghamton, and continues to look strong. And without further ado, it's time to announce the last remaining unbeaten team in this season's Cupful. Going into game week 11, there were two teams remaining with their perfect records, Dude Wears Makar in Sodertalja, and the Sundeer Sharks in William. Both sides boasted uh, an impressive 10-0-0 record, and were looking to use game week 11 to extend their amazing run. So it gives me great pleasure to announce that the last remaining unbeaten team in the Cupful 2019-2020 season is... The Sundeer Sharks in William. Huge congratulations to them. Their average matchup margin of victory this season has been just shy of 35 points. Their smallest victory was by just 7.25 points. That was back in game week 8 against Gave Up the Ghost. And to give you an example of some of the talent at their disposal, their roster currently boasts the likes of Mika Zabanajad at centre, John Tavares also at centre, Phil Kessel at right wing along with David Pasternak, Drew Doughty and Dougie Hamilton as D-men, Victor Olofsson and Alex Debrinkett as flexible wingers along with Brian Rust, and just one goaltender, Kerry Price. So perhaps they're a subscriber to the Colin Plomp theory of minimising your goaltender starts. In any case, huge, huge, huge kudos and congratulations to the Sundeer Sharks and William for an incredible effort of getting past the halfway point of the season without having lost a matchup. And it'll remain fascinating to see how long they can keep that run going. Now let's take a look at the best players over the last seven days. And at centre from the Florida Panthers, it's Noel Achari with two hat-tricks and another goal to add to that, making it seven goals in nine shots, as well as one assist, one short-handed point, seven hits and seven blocks, for a total of 45.25 fantasy points in just three games played last week. At right wing, it's unfortunately a player who ended the week on the injured reserve, it's Oliver Bjorkstrand of Columbus. Bjorkstrand had 37.5 cupful points in his four games played last week, coming from five goals, two assists, 15 shots, two hits and two blocks. At left wing then, Jonathan Huberdo again of the Florida Panthers. Huberdo had 36.5 fantasy points from his three games, with a total of 10 points, two goals, eight assists, five shots, two hits and a block. And the two highest performing D-men of the last seven days are in fact teammates. It's Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis of the Nashville Predators. In four games, Yossi had six goals, one assist, 17 shots, four hits and five blocks, where Ellis had two goals, five assists, ten shots, four hits and 12 blocks. Those tallies helped the Predators to win three of their four games, losing the other in overtime, and averaging over five goals a game. And the highest performing goaltender of the last seven days was Eunice Corposalo of the Columbus Blue Jackets, with four wins in four games, averaging just 1.5 goals against per game, with 92 saves and one shutout, Corposalo accrued 30.2 fantasy points in his four games. And I suppose it's not a bad time of the season to start looking at the overall player rankings, so if we can have a look at the top 10 skaters, counting down from 10 to 1, Austin Matthews at number 10, Brad Marchand at 9, Patrick Kane at 8, John Carlson, the highest ranked D-man, at 7, Alex Ovechkin at 6, Jack Eichel at 5, David Pasternak at 4, 
Leon Dreisaitl at 3, Nathan McKinnon at 2, and at number 1, Connor McDavid. With less than 10 points separating the top 4, Pasternak, Dreisaitl, McKinnon and McDavid. And the top 5 goaltenders overall. At number 5, ranked 87th overall, is Jordan Binnington of St. Louis. At number 56 of the Calgary Flames, it's David Riddich, who's the 4th highest ranked goaltender. Ahead of him, at 53, it's the recently injured Darcy Kemper. In 2nd place, it's Frederick Anderson of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who is 42nd overall. And at 20th overall and the number one goaltender at this point of the season, it's Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets. There were some outstanding performances in the Cupful last week in Game Week 11, with no fewer than 12 teams finishing up on over 300 points. With such healthy competition, it was really tough to pick the team of the week, but in the end I decided on the Titanic of Matthias for the second week out of the last three game weeks. Having finished as the highest scoring team in Game Week 9, The Titanic are on somewhat of a resurgence, raising themselves from the bottom of the ocean, having been ranked 207th overall after game week 3, and now 52nd overall, jumping 37 places from last week. With a roster that includes such high-end performers as Jonathan Huberdeau, Mika Zibanejad, Evgeny Malkin, and Patrick Kane, it's easy to see why they haven't struggled for too long. And last week was their 4th win in 5, and 6th win in their last 8 which has seen them move from 13th in game week 3 all the way up to 6th in their division. So never mind the White Stars, it's a gold star for the Titanic and Matthias in game week 11. While there were no matchups decided by under a point last week, there were 17 that were decided by under 10 points. And the pick of those came in Smaland in tier 4, where Broad Street Ghost edged out Reticulous by just 3.4 points. Both of these sides scored within the top 30 points overall in the Cupful last week, so it was unfortunate that one of them had to be a loser. What made this extra unfortunate for Reticulous was that they lost Jacob Silverberg on Sunday afternoon ahead of the Anaheim Ducks game against New York Rangers. With Silverberg averaging 4.06 fantasy points per game and Reticulous trailing by just 3.4 points, he could have made the difference on Sunday night, but alas it was not to be. If you listened to last week's show you would have heard Colin Plomp raising an interesting point. Colin figures that if you're going to penalise goaltenders for conceding goals, you have to penalise players for doing something. And Colin's suggestion was to award negative points for penalty minutes taken. As sheer coincidence, while I was looking into the impact that this might have on the cupful over the last week or so, Ryan McLaughlin himself was hatching a plan. Ryan's plan is to introduce a redo league, known as the Cigar League, or Can I Get a Redo? This would be open to fans of Keeping Carlson, who are looking for a short-term league, between now and the end of the season. With almost identical criteria to the Cupful in terms of scoring and roster size, with a couple of slight tweaks, such as a reduced free agent acquisition budget, reduced number of IOR slots, and of course a new scoring category, penalty minutes. So for this week's deep dive, I'm going to look at the players who would be most impacted in the NHL where penalty minutes are counted as a negative category. As well as this, I wanted to see what the most appropriate penalty would be for a penalty minute, in terms of values. So I threw together an Excel spreadsheet, as I tend to do. On this spreadsheet, I ranked the 250 top NHL players in terms of cupful fantasy points this season. Rather than ranking them by total points, I ranked them by average points, to allow for players who had maybe missed games through injury, or whose schedule just had meant that they hadn't played the same number of games as, say, Connor McDavid on 39. When I did so, to my surprise, Conor McDavid was only number 4. Ahead of him were David Pasternak, Jack Eichel and Nathan McKinnon in number 1. McKinnon is the only skater to average over 8 fantasy points per game on 8.01 with the existing cupful scoring categories. 
Eichel in second place is on 7.58 fantasy points per game, which is just over 0.4 points behind. Looking at the entire 250 players who I have on the spreadsheet in front of me, the average number of penalty minutes is just under 17 so far this season, with the majority of the top end players such as McKinnon, Eichel and Dreisaitl being under this number. Looking down the list from the highest ranked, the first player who sticks out to me is Brad Marchand. Marchand is currently ranked 12th in terms of average points in the Cupful, but has 45 penalty minutes accrued so far this season. That's over one minute per game, or on average, a minor penalty every second game. So it's immediately clear that penalising penalty minutes is going to impact Marchand's value. As I mentioned, at present he is ranked 12th in Kukupful standings, but removing just a quarter of a point per penalty minute drops him to 15th. Removing a full point per penalty minute drops him to 25th. The same can be said of the likes of Anthony Mantha, who is ranked 35th. One negative point per penalty minute would drop him from 35th to 59th. Perhaps the most negatively of the impacted players, in terms of fantasy relevance, is Evander Kane. Kane currently averages 37th in the Kukupful, but has 83 penalty minutes in 35 games, over a minor penalty per game. Taking just a quarter point per penalty minute away from Kane's totals would drop him from 37th to 62nd. Taking a half a point would drop him to 94th. Taking three quarters of a point would drop him to 150th. And taking a full point per penalty minute would drop Evander Kane from 37th to 206th, and almost fantasy irrelevance. With Kane being the most extreme example, some of the other examples that can be given are the likes of Alexander Edler, Tom Wilson, Zach Cassian, Nazem Kadri and Kyle Palmieri. Each of these players would drop by at least 5 draft rounds in terms of their value in a cupful format with 1 negative point removed per penalty minute. The players whose values would most improve in such situations would be Miro Heiskanen, Noel Achari, Zach Parise and Rupe Hintz the goody two-shoes class with three or fewer minor penalties to their name this season. Interestingly, with a half point removed per penalty minute, none of the current top ten in terms of average points are impacted. Each of them remain in the same ranking position as before, without penalty minutes applied. In fact, you have to look all the way down to 37th to Evander Kane to see somebody who is impacted by more than a draft round. For this reason, I feel that half a point is an appropriate punishment for a penalty minute, on average, this would knock about 5 5.5% off the value of a cupful top 250 skater at present. This, in turn, would make goaltenders more valuable and more appealing to roster. So for those of you who are interested in giving this a try, check out the Cigar League, which Ryan McLaughlin posted in the Keeping Carlson Facebook group today, and I look forward to seeing you there. Now as ever, to finish out the show, we're going to take a look at the players whose ownership has changed the most over the last seven days. Starting with the players who have been dropped the most, we have JT Comfer, Alexander Georgiev and Connor Garland, whose ownership has dropped by a third. Next up, we have Paul Stastny of the Vegas Golden Knights, who has dropped from 78% to 39%, so his ownership has halved in the last week. The second biggest drop of the week was Capo Caco of the New York Rangers, whose ownership has dropped from 94% down to 50%. But the biggest drop of the last seven days is Braden McNabb of the Vegas Golden Knights. McNabb's ownership had soared from 22 to 67% last week, but has dropped right back down to 6% after a poor showing in the last seven days. And on the flip side then, there are five players whose ownership has increased by at least 50% in the cupful divisions. They are Antti Ranta of the Arizona Coyotes, following the injury to Darcy Kemper. Hampus Lindholm of the Anaheim Ducks, whose ownership increased from 17% to 67%. Next up is Brady Shea of the New York Rangers, 
whose ownership increased from 17 to 72%. Carl Soderberg of the Arizona Coyotes is next, whose ownership has increased from 17 to 78%, and also on 78%, having increased from 0% last week. Unsurprisingly, it's the player of the week from last week, Noel Achari. Achari is averaging 4.02 fantasy points per game, so he's definitely worth owning in most cuckupful divisions, with some really solid hits and blocks numbers. Thanks again to Stephen Warback, aka Randy Marsh, for coming on and chatting to me. Let me know if you have any feedback on this week's deep dive. Don't forget to check out the Cigar League. And for those of you celebrating holidays over the next few days, have a happy and peaceful time. I'll chat to you soon.